it's almost impossible to approach the stories of Bratius, of Genesis. They are so fraught and they are so influential in our lives, in the way we think about uh, all beginnings, and especially about the origin of sin. So I thought today we'd look at that. Shakespeare says, Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. And this is our life, exempt from public haunt, finds tongues in trees, books in the running brooks, sermons in stones, and good in everything. That was from As You Like It. Mainstream Orthodox Jewish theology views the Chumash as the exclusive representation of God's will. Certainly, our experience of reality in this world serves either as a testimony to his will and may inspire others to follow his will. However, the arbiter of what his will precisely is, is restricted to the Torah. Torah Torah So we divine his will from our reading the sources. This is clearly reflected in the often cited formulation in the Zohar. He looked into the Torah in which then to create the world. Looking into the Torah then reflected his will. The all-encompassing will of God is representative in the statement by the Torah while the world is an expression of its truth. The world isn't given to any independent status like a prophet for the word of God. That's the orthodox theological view. However, there is a second model, and the second model, Ripsodok Hakoyen of Lublin, cites his Rebbe, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, so this is the mid-1800s, and he cites the following. God created a book, and that is the world. And the commentary on the book is the Torah. Again, it's the exact reverse from what we were taught to Histakel Biaraiso Borosa Olam, that the Torah is some kind of blueprints for the world. No. Ritzodek says from his master that the God created a book, and that is the world. And so that world needs to be deciphered, and the commentary on that book is the Torah. And this analogy then puts a greater focus on the world as a repository for godly revelation. So if we apply that understanding to the what I call pre-lapsarian, before the lapse, <laughs> before Odomeritian sinned, that pre-lapsarian world, how do we look at that world after the lapse? How do we describe it? It's impossible. Let's take the understanding of the Yetzirah. Did Odomarishan have a Yetzirah? Clearly from Chazal, the Yetzirah is implanted through the sin of disobedience. By disobeying God, he now has a Yetzirah. So when we're reading the text of the Torah, which is a commentary on the world, it is almost impossible for me 
to understand what it was like for Adam Rishon to not sin, what it was like to be in the Garden of Eden before the sin, since the only explanation I have is the Torah. But the Torah is explaining what happened pre-lapsarian from a post-lapsarian perspective. I'm, I, I hope I'm getting myself across. How could I possibly know what a child's innocence is like, unless I go into my own experience of innocence? And so, when we approach the text, we need to dig deeper into the Midrashic variants to understand in what way we could project back as to what what that felt like. So let's let's take a deep dive into the to the text itself. And I want to share with you the first, and that's after having tasted of the fruit of the apple, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. And Vayome, God says, Mihi Gidloch Lachoshki Ora, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat? Is that why you realize you are naked? You are now self-aware? So he doesn't answer the question, who told you that you were naked? They saw they were naked. They covered themselves. That was the question. He answers it the second question. Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat? Oh, yeah, yeah, You're, the the woman you gave me, <laughs> the woman you gave me, she gave it to me from the, from the tree and I ate it. It's not my fault. So God approaches the woman. What have you done? The, the serpent, he, 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 he seduced me and I ate. He doesn't ask the Nochosh, Mazososisa. It's interesting. Why doesn't he ask the serpent, what have you done? Why did you, why did you, uh, why, why did you do this? He doesn't ask. He just already tells him, because you did this. Medrash says, because he knew how cunning the serpent was. And, and the serpent was going to tell him, hey, they heard you tell them they shouldn't. I told her they should, but who's bigger, you or me? They should have listened to you. He knew that the serpent would answer that, so he didn't even ask for a question. Look at the number of words that refer to eating. The first posuk, ocholto, did you eat? Second posuk, mina eats vo'ochel, I ate. Third, the nochoshishiani, vo'ochel, and I ate. And now, ofotochal kolyamechayechod. Do you see that word keeps running through? It's about eating. Well, is it really about eating? Uh, the Medrash tells us it's not about that kind of consumption. It's they realized they were naked. It is about sexual awareness. But we'll come to that. Now let's look at this word vo'ochel. Okay, so we're going to look at the word vo'ochel, just that one word. And we go to the Midrash, and the Midrash tells us the following. It should have said, she gave it to me in the perfect tense. It doesn't say that. 
va'ochel, which denotes the imperfect tense. Remember, the word va'ochel is composed of the word ochel, I will eat, and a vav ha'hipuch, that reverses it to the past tense. So the verse should have said va'ochalti. The implication is va'ochel, which is in the imperfect sense. Remember, the Bible splits tenses into perfect and imperfect, meaning completed actions and incompleted actions. The Medrash said he should have said va'achalti. I ate. It's a completed action. But he doesn't. He says va'ochel, an imperfect action, meaning an incomplete action, meaning I ate in the present and I will continue to eat. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Adam... So it, 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 it's in the, perf in the present and in the future. So he's saying that not only uh, do I eat now, he's making the very, very radical statement, I will continue to eat. And comes along Reish Lokish and says, you know what? Lo nitrad mi ganeden. He would not have been kicked out of ganeden just because he ate from the apple. If that's a one-time sin, you can get repentance from him. Let's go back. No. Ad It was because he blasphemed God by stating, I will continue to defy you in the future and eat from the forbidden fruit. It's a, it's a stunning medrash. Adam is telling God, I have bitten from the apple. I've eaten from the forbidden fruit. And guess what? I will continue to eat. Now, who tells you that? Only someone who has tasted from the forbidden fruit, someone who's tasted cocaine or heroin, will tell you that was the greatest experience of my life and I will never give up on it. There was an addictive quality to the forbidden fruit. And it wasn't just that I am defying you because I tasted it. Okay, I defied you. I take from the forbidden fruit. Now, forgive me. Let's go back. After all, next chapter, someone commits murder and is forgiven. What's the big deal? I ate a piece of apple or a grape or a wheat, whatever the fruit was. Okay, so, so, so forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. No, the Medrash says the crime must have been so profound that we have to insert, by looking midrashically at this wonderful parsing of the word, va'ochel, I will continue to eat. It is so addictive, I cannot stop eating. I have tasted from the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. I am now self-aware of my own sexuality. I'm aware of the world. I understand good and evil the way you do. I can't go back now. It's a stunning medrash. And it's interesting because the Kotzka Rebbe and the Chedushi Arim, his disciple, find it inconceivable that Adam Arishan, the biggest tzaddik in the world, who was Mabit Misof Olam at Sof Olam, he could see from one end of the world to the other, should have such a such a horrific blasphemy. And the Chidushiarim comes to mitigate it. He didn't say, I will continue to eat defiantly. I love it. It's not a defiance, I will continue to eat, but it's a statement of objective reality an objective assessment of the change in his very nature as a result of the sin. Beautiful way of, of giving him a more charitable, <laughs> more charitable view of that. And there is no greater expression of this 
addiction. Then in another Midrashic interpretation, in which it says, let me show you the Pasuk first, in Brashish chapter 4, in the beginning of the chapter, it says, Va'odam yoda es chava ishto, and they had another a child, and they had Cain. And then it goes through the whole tragic chapter. And then right at the end, it says, Va'yeda odam oid es ishto, ben. What is the difference between these two? Between the first odam and the second odam. Between the first yoda and the second yoda between Eschava Ishto and Ishto. Can you see what has happened? The Ha'odam Yada Eschava Ishto. And Adam biblically knew, and she's named Chava Ishto, and they had a child, Cain. And after that whole pericope and the death of Abel, Vayeda Odom Oid Es Ishto. Nothing about Chava. She's now become generic. Why? Because of that word Ode. It's not necessary, that word. It should have said, Vayeda Odom es ishto ben. What is the ode? That, that's what the Medrash jumps in. To bolster up my theory, let's look at this Medrash. Vayeda Odom ode es ishto. And Rashi quotes this Medrash, just these four words, but we must dive in. Nitosev lo tava al tavoso. He added more desire to the previous desire for his wife. By taking the name Chava out of the equation, Vayeda Adam Oid as Ishto, is Ishto now becomes objectified. It's not that woman Chava with a soul. She has now become an object of his desire. And what does that mean? Now listen to what the Medrash says. L'she'ova im lo lo Before, if she did not see her, he had no desire for her. Achshav, bein ro'ah, bein she'ein ro'ah Oh my giddy aunt. And now, whether she is in seeing him or not seeing, he doesn't see her. He sees her. He's not turned on by her. He is turned on by her. Humitave. He is in a constant state of desire. Now, what happened between that first posuk and the last posuk? The Medrash said that because of the sin, they separated for 130 years. And he dissociated himself from this wife. They actually lived apart. And God at this time caused him to desire his wife, although she was not present, so that he would wish to return to her. That's a very, very positive spin by the Aetiose. What is the darker view is that she had become an addiction. That his desire for her Hosi Taiva Al Taiva means that it had gone into his head. So what is really going on here? We are trying to describe the lapse from the pre-lapsarian view of mankind through the lapse so that we can try and project onto Odoma Rishon what this Yetzahora has done to us. And it's impossible. It's an impossible task to describe in psychological and literary terms, how it must have been the transition from that age of innocence to this age of self-awareness and addiction to the Yetzirah. But clearly, the Midrash is struggling to give us a sense of, of, of what, what is happening there. And that is going 
telling us uh, the power of this this Yetzer horror that somehow this Yetzer horror is now so embedded in us that even when the stimulus is not there, we're not thinking about nothing else. And in order to really explain the power of this Yetzer we go to the Gomorrah, and the Talmud tells us a very interesting way of dealing with this. The Gomorrah in Kedushin, Tonara Bonon, our rabbis teach, Vesamtem. In the, in the Kriya Shema, it says, Vesamtem is Tavorai Eile Al Levavachem Al Nafshechem. Very nice. You shall put these words, Al Levavachem, and we've talked about the Yetzirah before being Levavachem, should have been Libachem in your, in your heart. Vesamtem is Tavorai al libachem, but it says levavachem in the plural, meaning there are two hearts or two chambers to the heart, one containing, the Gemara tells us in Brochus, the Yetzirah, one tells us the Yetzirah. The samtem devorai ele al levavachem. What is that? How is that going to help? How is that going to help? Just because I, I, I understand something intellectually, that's going to stop the Yetzirah? And the whole of the Tanya in fact, is a treatise on how to convince the right side of the heart to convince the left side uh, to go in the ways of goodness instead of the Yetzirah. That's the whole of the Tanya. Tanara Bonum. Vesamtem. I can pun on that word Vesamtem and remove the sin and put in a Samach. What would that look like? Samtom. What is samtom? Well, I can split that word into two actual uh, verbs. Sam is a noun, which means a potion. Tom, perfect. But samtem, you shall put them on your heart, means I'm giving you something to put on the heart. I'm giving you something called a sum, a potion, tam, an elixir that is so perfect to fix the Yetzirah. And what is it? Nimshala Torah. Torah now becomes a sum, this post-lapsarian text that is a commentary, according to Ratzodok, on the world, not the other way round. The world, the reality, the addictions, the heart, the duplicitous heart is the reality of the world. I'm going to give you a Torah, an a, a way of interpreting, making sense of your addiction to the Yesahara. Nimshila Torah Kasam Chaim. Remember, a sum is a potion. You can have a poison potion, or you can have a potion and the elixir of life. It could go either way. Torah is considered an interpretation of the world, of yourself, of the architecture of your soul. Kasam Chaim, a potion of life. How? Now, let me give you a marshal, and I need you to fasten your seatbelts for this marshal. Marshal, Adam, Shehika is Benoi. A man whacks his son, Maka Gedola. He gives him a mortal wound. Not just any wound, a Maka Gedola. Now he's, he comes back from his rage. He sees, what have I done to my son? So he places a bandage on it, a compress. And now he instructs his son, Ba'amalo, Bani, as long as you keep that compress on the wound, you know what? 
You can live. You can eat what you want. You can drink what you want. You can even go into a bath, whether a cold shower, a hot shower. You don't have to worry about the wound as long as you have the compress on it. But if you think for a minute that you don't have a wound, you think for a minute you don't have this God-inflicted wound in your heart, the wound will become gangrenous. Rashi says boubler in Old French. <laughs> it will become bullae or boils and blisters. It will become infected and you will become septic and you will die. What an amazing mashal. I mean, why do I need the mashal? In fact, the nimshal I could have done without the mashal. Here's the nimshal. I don't need that mashal. Kach, a very pious, art scrolly nimshal. Kach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Omer Yisrael. Beni, Barasi Yetzahara. I created the Yetzahara. Ubarasi lo Torah Tavlin. And I created a Torah as a Tavlin. We'll come back to that word. As long as you busy yourself with Torah, you won't be handed into the Yetzirah. So, Tonara Bonon, a rabbi's taught, a person has a Yetzirah. I gave you a sum, I gave you this beautiful potion. And what is it? It's the Torah. Perfectly symmetrical. What did I need that marshal? That marshal has completely screwed me up. Why? What's the pro What's the problem with the marshal? Let's go to the marshal. The father wounds the son. Why? Is it out of rage? We're not told. Obviously, the wound here from the nimshal is the yetsahara. Bani barasi yetsahara. The wound I inflicted on you. You see how we're struggling in a post-Lapsarian text to understand the actual event itself, because it's impossible. The son in the mashal is completely innocent. The father inflicts this mortal wound. I didn't need that mashal. I could have just said, Barasi Yetzahara, Barasi Torah. I gave you Yetzahara. Here's the sum. Here's the potion. As long as you're involved in the potion, you won't be handed over to the Yetzahara. What has the mashal done? It's completely raised the stakes. It's become a protest, in a sense. What kind of a father whacks his son with a mortal wound? Only someone who can't control his rage. We're not told why, what caused his rage. Was it the fact that Adam disobeyed him and ate from the, uh, from the tree? But the consequences of the rage are evident in the wounds of the son. And so he tells the son, this is a mortal wound. There's no way out of this now. You cannot heal this wound. As long as you have it covered, you're protecting the infection from spreading, you can live like normal. But should you remove the salve or the bandage, then the wound is no longer under control or protected, and the lesion will spread into boils, blisters, and gangrene. So the, now the son is condemned to a chronic wound care treatment like a diabetic foot ulcer that never, ever heals. The father has inflicted a wound which is not a localized lesion, but one that can spread and consequences might be fatal. The wound has caused a secondary result 
and must be managed in order not to affect the whole limb or the body. This is the secondary consequence of the wound the son must live with. The initial wounding, the pain and suffering of the blow, whether it's deserved or not, we're not told, it's incomparable to the second effects of the wound, which have to be managed like a malignancy if not held in permanent check. I created the evil inclination and I created the Torah to fix it. Let's go back to that word Torah what? Torah Tavlin. What is that word Tavlin? And here we split open the two approaches to the Yetzirah. It is all dependent on how you translate that word Tavlin. Clearly, from the Mashal, the Tavlin, the Sam, the Potion, is not an elixir of life. It's not something you drink so that you can really get spiced up. It is an antibiotic. It's the compress. So the Tavlin here is a salve, an antibiotic salve. I created the Yetzirah. That is the mortal wound that you have to live with. That is the addiction that says, I ate and I am now addicted to continue to eat forever because there's a Yetzirah in the left chamber of my heart. Guess what? The Torah, which is a commentary on nature, on the reality, according to Rupsodic, not the other way around. The Torah is giving us a piece of advice. God says, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Yetzirah. Now I created the antibiotic, which will prevent the spread of this cancerous, malignant infection from the wound. It's a very dark reading of Tavlin. And most Chazal look at the word Tavlin as spice. Oh, Torah as spice. What does that mean? Well, the word Tavlin as spice is one of the ways that Torah keeps us from sinning is by training us to live mindfully. So the Yetzirah is like a piece of meat that's overcooked. It's, it's tasteless. And what do I need to do? I have to live mindfully. Just like we don't pour spices on impulse, haphazardly pouring unlimited pepper, basil, turmeric onto anything, especially a piece of flesh, it would end in disaster. Spicing takes time and thought. It forces us to be mindful, to make conscious choices, to make things measured. You need a measuring spoon to transform the Yetzirah from this lump of flesh, the physicality of the world, the physicality of our body, which has no taste. We need spicing up. Otherwise, we'll be subject to the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is one thing. Borossi Torah Tavlin, I produce Torah as spices. And if you're Osik Torah, then you won't go into this lifeless lump of flesh. Very nice. But can you see that it's the absolute opposite of this mortal wound? There's a funny story of the Rizhina. Before he came to Vienna, before the Kaiser allowed him uh, to, to come to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, he was in Congress Poland in Galicia and he was imprisoned. Someone had malsheen on him, ratted on him. So he's sitting in jail. <laughs> so he says, when I was sitting in jail, he says, why does the Gemara refer to the Yetzirah as an axil? an old and foolish king. 
It is old because it is as old as creation. It is a king because it rules over so many people. Fine, it's old, and it's creative. But who? Why is it a seal? Why is it a fool? Why is it foolish? On the contrary, Yetzirah appears to be very sly and cunning. It's very addictive. So he says the following: When I was in jail, the Yetzirah did not leave me. I said, no sane person wishes to be in prison. I didn't have any choice. I was put in chains and I was dragged here. No, he says to his Yetzirah, no one forced you to come here. If you came into prison of your own will, you surely are a fool. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely brilliant concept. And so, going back to this very positive spin on the on the Yetzirah, J. Kelman writes, "This is no disgusting thing. It was created by God. It's the most necessary force in the world. Without it, the chickens wouldn't lay eggs, as the Gemara tells us. We would not procreate. We wouldn't build." The Yetzirah allows us to go into the world and to build. So to destroy the Yetzirah is not only useless but counterproductive. By harnessing its power, a power greater and more natural than the Yetzirah, we can reach heights we would otherwise be unable to attain. Instead of fighting the Yetzirah, we should work with it in ways that will be of benefit. Raw food has no taste. Add some spice, and the sweet aroma entices us to try. What is surely a delicious dish? The Yetzirah is the raw ingredients of life. Whether it be pride, greed, jealousy, seeking wealth, anger, add a right mix of spice, and what was once leading us on a most negative path can be transformed. We can channel our inherent anger. Blah 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 blah. I I don't see it that way. I I see the way Rapsodic tells us, and Rapsodic tells us that. In Adam's fall, we all sinned. We are all destined now, in this post-lapsarian world,、uh, to be addicted, like the Medrash tells us, to be addicted to this Yetzirah. And if the model that we started off with, not that Histakel Ribonis Shalom, Histakel Kuchibricha Be'araisa Ubara Olamos, that's the Zoharic traditional reading that God looked into the Torah. And from that was the blueprint to create the world. But the other way round, Reb Zadok's model, that he heard from his master, that God created a book, and the world is the book, and the commentary on the book is the Torah. Then we have that problem. How do I try to create an interpretation of a world that doesn't exist, of that pre-lapsarian world of? Sexual innocence without the Yetzirah, without any addictions. How do I create it? It's an impossible task, and so the Medrash tries to describe that moment where the switch occurred. Ochalti va'ochel, yodam es ada es oid es ishto. I will continue to, not because because you've created original sin, not because of that. It's because. I look at the reality of who I am now, after this catastrophe of whatever it was. We don't know what it was because we can't even describe it in language. Whatever that catastrophe was, I'm now going to look into the Torah, which is a commentary on the post-lapsarian word, the Olam of Tikkun, that we have to participate, where we have to deal with man's inherent addiction to that Yetzirah. That that man's inhumanity to man, whether it's Freud's id, 
whether it's Thanatos or Eros, the dark side of Thanatos, this murderous impulse that we are experiencing to this day, sending Iranian drones into schools. What, what, what is gained by that except to feed that Thanatos, that desire within the human being? To me, that second Moshal of the Melech that that editor added to the Gomorrah really deconstructs the positive spin of Torah as Tavlin and gives us this darker view of Torah as this interpretation. As long as you have that antibiotic compress on this horrific mortal wound, yeah, you can go about your business. You can eat, you can drink, you can even take a hot or cold, cold shower. You can manage to survive in that world. It requires the Torah as Tavlin. It requires the healing properties of Torah, which means the Torah as a mirror. The Torah is a commentary on the world, on the book. The book is the world. The heart and the duplicity, that is the world. I need a commentary, meaning I need an antibiotic, which means I need a mirror to bring to consciousness that which is unconscious. May we be zoicher in this wonderful bracious in this coming year uh, to manage that Yetzirah, to keep the antibiotic fresh, to realize we have this mortal wound inflicted by our Father so that we can go about our days and least manage the terrible addictions within. Have a wonderful week.